Bottom of the Smash Mountain, Season 2, Episode 23, Bork Hut Memories. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jesse, a.k.a. Cypher, a.k.a. You Get It. And I have a lot to go over with our guest for today. Hoborg makes a triumphant second debut onto the podcast. And it's funny because the first time Hoborg was on, we did not go over Hoborg's intro intro to Melee, which is what we're going to do today. We've also got some other stuff that we got to do with Hoborg. we got to talk about the Borg Hut, of course. We've got to talk about CRT versus monitors. Ranked. Fizzy needing to be thanked about ranked coming out at some point and thanked about all his hard work in general. SCL 2 Week 4, Summit Champions League 2 Week 4. Ever heard of it? We got all kinds of things to cover today, and it's already been 53 seconds. So let's get to this interview with Oborg. Please enjoy and stay around for other stuff at the end. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. And today I'm so excited to be joined by Hoborg, who is actually joining me for the second time here. The first time was to do some hot takes, but I said... We got to get you back on for the proper interview. So we're going to do that. But I also feel bad because I still want to get some hot takes out of you. Hoborg, how you doing? I'm doing absolutely delightful. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well. I want to get started with the beginning and then work our way to the present and the discourse of Melee Twitter today. So it's going to it's going to cover a, a couple of different things so we'll take our time getting there but i really am interested to hear about how melee first became a thing for you when it was officially part of your life god um so i i played a good bit of melee uh with my neighbors when i was like a kid and then i played brawl when i was when i like i never owned a gamecube as a kid so i played a lot of brawl when i got a wii and that was exciting to me and then i didn't really rediscover smash until college and in college, uh, my friend Alex basically introduced me to uh, the world of like competitive Smash. And, like we held like a little like dorm tournament, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's the best. He can wave dash. I can't even like, I- I've never even met someone who could wave dash." And that blew me away. And so throughout college, I just basically became more and more engrossed with the game over time until <laughs> until we're here. But uh, I I really never even touched the game uh, as, as as a competitive sense until college. Uh, which was like five years ago, six years ago at this point. Jesus. <laughs> so you've pretty much moved on from college then? Yeah, I've been graduating for about two years. Well, congrats on that. But why are you sticking yeah. with Melee then? It's just so damn fun. I mean, it's it's like this game. There's a there's a, uh, this sense of being part of this long-standing, interesting community. There's so many storylines. There's so m- The game has changed so much over the past two decades as it's been out. Like... I, I, the melee of, th- I could not picture the melee of today, uh, uh, two years ago, and I could not picture the melee of two years ago, the year before that. Like, it's, it's constantly a, this changing landscape, and there's infinite things that you can get better at in the game. It's crazy. If, uh, you had to put yourself on the iceberg of melee, you're definitely below water, but how deep are you? Do you want to pull something that you feel like is a very deep reference? I, I don't expect to get it, by the way, so just try me if you can think of something. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people's point of reference is net play nowadays because that's all we have, but I remember playing on Dolphin 5.0-321, and I know there's older, older Dolphins, but... I think that is when I first set up Netplay was 
that long ago, which is before this, before rollback, before Slippy R18, before Faster Melee, before whatever came right before Faster Melee. That is old, old net play, and that was like 2016, 2017. I, I, I'm sure I can think of a better uh, iceberg example, but I, I, I think I'm pretty, pretty in it at this point. Pretty, I mean, I just don't have the years on some people, but I'm, I'm pretty deep in as far as how long I've been in the game. I'd like to think. Yeah, that's a pretty good pull. That was in the time of Ginger and IBDW, sort of. No, okay. Well, it was more of Ginger dominating the Anthers ladder, as I recall. Uh, based off yeah, of other back. people talking about it, I should say, because I really didn't know much about Anther's Ladder until after it started to die off a little bit. But what was your experience with playing on Netplay where it's delay-based? And you don't know any better. I mean, I don't think... I mean, I'd never heard about okay. Rollback until it was first announced that Slippy had Rollback netcode. So what was that experience like for you? And why did you even bother trying to play that when you when you had college and you were playing you know, in dorms <laughs> and stuff? Um, I mean, having college, like just a, a consistent college scene was just so fantastic. But, uh, when I couldn't, like, I think in my first year at school, I didn't really know a lot of people in the local scene. So I started trying to pick up net play as a way to practice and also was able to use that at like in my home in New Jersey, uh, when I wasn't at school, but it was just, it was the best you could do to play anyone in the world at the time, which I mean, we didn't know any, but like, Nowadays, knowing how slow that was, if I went back to that, I would I would lose my mind. But it's all you had at the time, and it worked fine when you had good connection. But, you know, there's only so much you could do about it. But it was just an option to play new and interesting people. And it's funny, because <laughs> for the first year or two of my college experience, I was getting to know the, the Penn State Smash scene a lot stronger. And, um... In my last two years of school, I we had I had my own apartment with uh, four other people, and over time, it basically became what I'd like to think is the 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 hub for just playing Smash at Penn State when it wasn't a tournament weekend because we had like seven TVs, six Wii's, a bunch of chairs, and we just like it was uh, my play, it was open all the time just for people to drop in and play. That's and really so that cool. Was, that sounds awesome. Was spoiled <laughs> as hell. <laughs> yeah, it was it was super awesome. It's basically like, where are you going tonight? Oh, I'm going over to, well, your name isn't Ashley Hoborg, but you get it. I'm going over there <laughs> to that apartment. Oh, that kind of sounds lame. Oh, yeah? Well, let me show you this Hoborg guy is really good at Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> no, it was lovingly referred to as the Borg Hut, which was a, a fun time. I have very, very many happy memories to that place. That's awesome. It must have been a little bit hard to leave on the last day. Was it like, I mean... I just, it's hard to leave any sort of temporary or even a long-term home when you go, oh, wow, there's memories here, and I'm kind of leaving it all behind now. Was it that sort of thing for you when you left, or were you just excited to move to the next step of life? I mean, I'm I'm going to miss it forever, you know, on some level. Like, it was just an amazing time to be able to hang out with people at any given point and just play, hang out, like, go out for drinks in the evening, come back, play some more. Like it's, it's, it was just so easy and fun and everyone there was just a great time. And like on some level, you know, like it can't last forever. That's just not sustainable, but like it was amazing and I'll miss it. You know, on the one hand, having money is nice as an adult. On the other, you just have so little, such little time. That's a real thing, right? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I've been working full time for like a year and a half now. 
little little maybe a little more actually i can't remember but it's it's like it's so awesome being able to pay for things and have an income and all that fun stuff but yeah there's, there's only so much time you could actually use it I mean, exactly I imagine, like you you've got a kid I, I can't even picture it yet <laughs> well, one one step at a time. One step at a time. <laughs> you, no yeah, yeah. you better not be getting pressure from people around you, being like, "Come on, where's the Mrs. Hoborg? <laughs> Where are the little Hoborgs? <laughs> like, come on, I just I barely got past the Borg hut." Yeah, Jesus, I'm 23. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the truth is, you're never ready. Okay, so enough about kids. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about your first tournament experience. Do you remember your first tournament experience? Oh God! So I'm not sure if I remember. I, I remember a handful of my first tournament experiences. But I know the first Penn State tournament I went to was one of the monthlies, and I like I was so psyched out over it as a as a young Marth main as a as a young boy. I wow, was, uh, Marth? Yeah, yeah. It was a different era. I. It's funny because I came out of brawl when I was a kid. Like, I switched around to characters a lot when I was younger. Like, I played Lucas, I played Meta Knight, I didn't know any better. But I, I ended up, like, ending my casual brawl career as a Marth player, and then when I came to college, uh, I was like, oh, Marth is a top tier in this game? Sweet. So I just stuck with him for a while. Um, I remember getting absolutely sauced by our local Puff, who was really good at the time, and our local Roy. And I, I mean, I had never... I had never dealt with anything like that, so it was horrifying to deal with. But it was, it was like this this new exciting experience. Like I had never really done any competitive gaming ever. Like I played a little bit of Team Fortress Two in like early high school, and that's the closest I ever. And I had never played competitive in that. Like I just went on public servers and just goofed around. But like Smash as a whole is my first foray into like proper competitive gaming, and it's been really interesting to feel like the development of that from like. Like local to regional to like uh, like this global community, it's really really interesting stuff. So, what was that for? Sorry, some of the early tournament memories of you playing as Marth. When did you first start to say to yourself, "I don't think Marth is for me"? Because that's not who you play as now, and and maybe you no, you God, landed no. on your current main at that point. But was it more of an evolution than that? It was it was sort of binary. I mean, like I played Marth for almost a year, I think. I played him for a good while because I was, I was pretty convinced. Like uh, he's he's a good character. I already kind of matched with him, and but I was like I was it was so early on in the game. Like I learned the fundamentals. I learned I learned all the basics. But like I I felt like I wasn't progressing as far as I wanted to, and I wasn't having nearly as much fun as I wanted to. And Luigi is so fun. Oh my god, he is the stupidest most fun character in this game to me and he just has so many he has so many ways to inject comedy into his play i think that is something that i value a lot is the the personality of a play and i think you can inject humor into your gameplay as much as you can inject anger or sadness there's there's a way to play with emotion in the game and i think luigi exemplifies this certain level of goofy hilarity that i cannot turn away from it's just it meshes so well with how i want to play the game it's interesting to hear that because i feel like sakurai sort of understood that to a certain level and put in jigglypuff to be the comedic character when jigglypuff if you were to watch someone like oh i don't know hungry box you wouldn't necessarily think <laughs> this is for this is for humor and for fun woo 
It's I I think it's so interesting because I think and you can you can put any emotion into a character and it will come out in some way. But it's so hard to understand how that is going to play out when you're making the like I I I would imagine that Sakurai never considered that a character that can fly is pretty good. I've always said if you can fly in a video game, you're probably pretty good. <laughs> and Puff is no exception. Uh, Puff can fly. That's very that's a very useful skill. So it's like this. This dichotomy of, like, you have to give them funny tools, but if they're too good, suddenly it flips on its head. Where, I forget what it was. I did this tier list forever ago, which was ranking characters based on how funny they are. And I think Puff was, like, somewhere in the middle, somewhere middle high. I, I, think, I think you can, you can be funny with any character, but clearly in development, like, they try to do that with Puff, they try to do that with Pichu. And, like, they, they succeed to a certain extent, but it always comes out in the personalities of the players, I think, more so than anything. Where does Ness go on that list, by the way? We have to take an aside. Like, is Ness towards the, oh, towards yeah. the top tier? Ness, Ness is towards the top. I, I think... I, I know that the top two uncontested was Luigi and Game & Watch. I find those characters hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Game & Watch is, like, extra special B moves. Ugh. Yeah. And just the he's, entire he's a, movement in general. Uber. That's fair. Oh yeah, and I mean the sounds, the movement, everything. That's so fair. You know, I just thought about this because I haven't really been able to think about experimenting with Sheik too much because I feel like if once I play a little bit more competitively, it's going to be between Falco, Puff, and Marth for me just because I like playing as those characters the best overall. I mean, I also have a very special connection to Kirby, but we all know how well that would actually never go. <laughs> but with Sheik, what if you just always try to get your opponent to 22% and then just, you know, jump a lot and wave dash and take advantage of the sound that Sheik makes when Sheik jumps? Oh, that'd be delightful. Yeah, yeah, kind of like how Axe always you... tries to get 69% <laughs> damage. Yeah. I think I think you could make, make some serious two synergy there. I, I think if you if you manage to overwhelm your opponent enough, they'll have to just give up at that point. Potentially, but I feel like that might be the only way that Sheik can be funny. Sheik's probably towards the bottom of the funny tier list. Yeah, she was. She's very all business. I think Fox and Falco were were very all business, and Marth and Zelda, and then Sheik was also pretty far down. Ugh, Zelda. That's also that is also a real shame that like Zelda like had to wait until Ultimate just to get a semi normal personality. But that that was a shame because in my in my opinion. Zelda should have been Breath of the Wild Zelda to like actually do some like different move sets and stuff. But anyway, anyway, back to <laughs> back to melee, back to melee. I feel I feel dirty all of a sudden for mentioning ultimate. But oh, by the way, here's another good quip. Your your dolphin five point whatever the hyphen dash it was probably was yeah. better than current ultimate online. Ha. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think that is measurably true. <laughs> so Which there is we insane. go. We're back in it. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> so then you were, okay, so Smash of Penn State. That's really cool. That was, that was, that was college life for you. And now you've been doing the adulting thing and you made it sound like you were able to fortunately stay employed. And I'm just curious about your own perspective on this because I have gone back and forth. I, on the one hand, in the pandemic, I'm thankful to have a job and work full time. On the other hand, I have heard one or two stories of people going, 
I was unemployed, but I was able to get benefits and they were better than what I was making at my uh, full-time job. So I'm actually not mad. And I'm just sitting over here going, ah, hmm, is that right? Because <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm my job as it is now, like I'm, I'm doing enough to support a family, but I'm also not making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So I'm like, okay, all right. Tell me more. Tell me more. I don't know. Where do you land on this? So I'm, I think I'm lucky enough that, uh, my interests happen to align pretty well with an emerging industry because I'm in cybersecurity when there's a lot of money and a lot of jobs there. So I'm very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that was something I was potentially looking into, but then I realized I would have to go to college and I said, no, thanks. But that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it just worked out so like it worked out super nicely. Like, I went to Penn State because I was comfortable there. Like, my mom went there, so I already had like some point of reference for it. But also, they had a really good info science tech program, which I went into with a so a focus in cybersecurity, and I've been able to not only work from home for the past year, like it's it pays well enough, and I'm satisfied. So I I, I just happened to luck out in the industry I'm interested in is like. Not only feasible remotely, but like lucrative and comfortable in a sense. Yes, yes, it's they they are very interested these people in having cybersecurity, and so when you say I can do that for you, they go, okay, great, yes, please do that, and you go, well, it'll be this much, and they go, what, uh, you know what, fine, fine, whatever, just do it, and you're like, yes. <laughs> But it all it all worked out very nicely. But that's exactly what I mean. It sounded like it worked out. So good for you. And yeah, I'm glad to hear that you sort of have a, a, a mentality on it that is the, more along the lines of a positive one because I feel like I go back and forth, but I also don't know if I would have been able to, I don't know if stay sane is quite the right way to put it, but yeah, it would have been interesting to see me not actually working on a day-by-day, weekly basis and so on and so forth. So... Now that you're in the adulting realm of life and you're back in New Jersey, all that fun stuff, and dealing with the pandemic, and you're now solidly a Luigi main for however many years, going back to, what was it, maybe 2018 or so when you made the switch? God, it might be... I, I, I recently rewatched my first Luigi set on YouTube, and it was in 2016, in like October. Oh, so, so you were dabbling early. Yeah, I must have switched about like almost five, give or take five years ago. Wow! I have, my first Marth set was not long, or not my first. I have like one or two like bracket Marth sets on stream before um before my Luigi sets, and that's the only way I have to measure it realistically. But, but uh, you, because you're obviously not time. keeping track of one hundred percent of all things, you're just like it was sometime in two thousand sixteen. It's not a big deal. But yeah, yeah. did you also have to wrestle with the fact of, I don't know if this is going to be top player of the world material by switching to Luigi. It was more important to you that, as compared to that, but more of, I want to have fun with the game. I want to enjoy playing the game and also be able to play competitively because Luigi can be competitive, but not necessarily guaranteed to place well in top eight or top three, that sort of deal. Yeah, it's. I think it started off as like a, I'm having more fun with this character, and I actually saw an initial boost in like 
I was, I did mediocre as Marth, whatever. I don't remember how my bracket results were. I went like one and two, two and two every once in a while. I was like your average, your average bottom of the barrel Marth player that just filled the bracket. But I think immediately when I switched to Luigi, I saw it, a bump and I can't, I don't know if that's just, I was more comfortable. My opponent was less comfortable. I was having more fun, whatever the case. But I, it, over time, like I still play Luigi because I think he is just downright hilarious. He's so he's so fun to play. He's so fluid and he's so goofy and his everything just feels very natural to me at this point. But it's come around where I, I people ask like how good do you think Luigi is? Like the people always ask can X character win a major? And Luigi is just on the line where I can genuinely say, I don't know, but I know in my heart, Luigi is not done. There's so much more to do to optimize Luigi and create a, a stronger character in the meta. I think, obviously, there's a ceiling. I don't think, I I don't know if he'll ever be a top eight character. Or ever, you'll ever see a consistent presence of Luigi in top eights of anything. But I think he's just on the line to the point where you can make him work. And that, I think that's a super interesting place for a character to be. What was it like watching, or were you maybe not even able to watch it live, but hearing about Plup's run? I think it was a big house where he went all Luigi. It was CEO Dreamland 2018, I My think. bad, my bad, CEO No, you're Dreamland. good, you're good. <laughs> no, because uh, I know a bait, he made top eight at the big house five, and that was exciting. And that is fundamentally, I think, the best of solo Luigi is like a Luigi main Big asterisks, because Plup is probably on paper the best Luigi, but that's like, that's, that's you know, semantics. It's Samus as well, the best Samus, but not really maining Samus. Yeah, yeah exa- ex- exactly the same sort of thing where it's like, yeah, he's probably the best one, but that's like splitting hairs at that point. But watching him play high, like, I in that run, I know Ginger wasn't like a super big name at CEO Dreamland, but I remember he beat Ginger in pools, and then he also beat... Uh, Nintendude as a wo- as a wobbling Ices, who he, I know he'd had trouble with with as like Samus in the past, which blew me away that he was able to just give. I think he three won Nintendude, and Nintendude looked really good at the time. And he also beat Drug Fox, who was like a top twenty Fox player at the time. And, and Drug he got Fox like is big brain. Fifth. Oh, Drug, he's a massive brain. Watching him beat Drug Fox with Luigi, like. And then he took a game... He, fun fact, he actually took a game off of Mewtwo King Sheik in that same bracket. Right, exactly. Uh, I remember if, watching highlights of the Mewtwo King set going, wait, hold on, Plup's making this look good for Luigi sometimes? Yeah. Funny, I, I, I do actually think that's one of Luigi's best top-tier matchups, and I don't... like Mewtwo King immediately switched to Marth and then started giving him the business, but yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> that matchup's hard. I mean, it it has to end at some point, and like you said, yeah. maybe if Plup, some somehow, some way decided to stick with Luigi, would have been able to get some more high placings. But it's really cool because, like, I'll see, I'll see little tiny things every once in a while from a Luigi player where I'm going, "Oh, wait, that yes, why don't I see more of that?" But the problem is, is that it's stuff like missed, uh, like a misfire. <laughs> getting an edge cancel <laughs> back on stage and I'm going, whoa, that's awesome. But how are you supposed to do that consistently? Because it's a it's a one in eight shot of occurring anyway. Yeah. And you, how are you supposed to be, like with Fox and Falco, you can 
you can get it right after a while, but practicing edge cancel platform recoveries with a misfire for Luigi <laughs> sounds ridiculous. You'd be surprised. I so it is it is practicable to do lengths with non misfire. I mean, it's a little trickier than Fox and Falco because the length varies based on the charge. But you can you can reliably do edge cancel non misfires. The catch is there are some Luigi players. I believe Budujin has mentioned this in the past, but there are spots where you can option select. If you misfire, you'll edge cancel it, and if you do a normal one, you'll edge cancel it. It's very clever stuff. I've never actually worked on the spacings because. Usually I can just position it or a misfire will put me in a, a decent position anyway. But it, it there's like there's so much to be done about like crazy things that Luigi's I, I, I there's there's so many things that people Luigi's have been talking about for years that are only now being even put into practice. I watch players like I don't know if you've ever seen Mad Tyro pop up on your Twitter timeline. I'm not sure if I have. He is this I, I want to say 18-year-old Luigi player from Indiana and he is doing all of the Luigi tech that I've seen Luigi's talk about in like the the discord and on random corners of Twitter for years he is doing aerial interrupts out the wazoo he's got uh, cyclones that look tass when I watch players like Tyro or I watch players like I think of there was an old Luigi uh, from Georgia, who went by Focus, who used to tout the the power of these sorts of techniques. And watching players like that sort of push it into vogue makes me very excited for the future of what you can do with Luigi. I think there's still the ceiling is still so high. But what about you, Hoborg? Where do you see yourself in pushing the pioneering efforts of making Luigi a better character in the more modern era especially when all the other characters are able to improve vastly as well. They have their own discords. They have Uncle Punch. They have access to Netplay. Do you see yourself as trying to push Luigi in a technical sense, or are you just going, oh, I see what you're doing. I will try to do it my way. I, I try and make a mix of it, you know, because I, I don't think you can do it all. Like, you do all tech skill, you're not going to... You have to find this this happy medium between, like, what you're practicing technically and what you're trying to do, in, like, in a mind game sort of sense or execution-wise. Neutral, Where I don't think I am... Yeah, like, ne- neutral punish, all the, all the simple stuff. Like, ignoring, like, the techniques that get you there. I feel like I am not the most technical player. I... Lord knows, I didn't learn how to shield drop until quarantine, and everyone was yelling at me to do it for years. That's my B. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I figured it out. And I watch players like Tyro, and he's executing these crazy things, and he's just put so much time into practicing them. And I look at what I'm doing, and I try. I, I think I'm trying to patch the holes of my technical skill, but I've been a lot more focused on the just the raw neutral and punish and less on the technique, if that makes any sense. I think I'm sort of following. It's, yeah, it's it, I I I've been told by a lot of Penn State because Penn State has had a Luigi presence since the dawn of time. It's actually very interesting. There's always been a Luigi, uh, just in the, in the 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 mental picture of Penn State. Yeah, Long, in the cards. Uh, short before me, there was this other Luigi player who inspired me a lot. Who went by SQ, and he was. I don't want to get too deep into the Penn State lore, but he was taught by the twins, who were for a long time the two best players at Penn State. So there was him, and then there was me, and then there's also Cruel Scotty, who is a, a Lockhaven player, who is like a sister scene of Penn State, I would say. And then there's 
e- even recently we've had um Elu from New York. He's been like very present in the online sort of sense, and he's like a. There, all of us are just totally different beasts of Luigi. I feel like, and it's so cool to see all of that cross pollination of like. I've been told by a lot of Penn State players that they play a lot of good Luigi's online. I I, I see like Sidward all the time. I see players like Young Main. I see players like. I got. I could. I, if I start listing Luigi's, he'll never stop. But <laughs> there, I've been told by a lot of Penn State players that when they play other Luigi's, they have to completely change their game plan because I am constantly. I think my game plan in nearly every matchup involves flying at my opponent and trying to break their space wide open, which is probably not a great idea. But I've made it work for the most part, and I try to bring that sort of like electric knockdown into lightning combos that I feel like I watch players like Eddie Mexico and I wa- like it, it inspires me so much to see him just going for it. And seeing Eddie Mexico combos come up onto the Twitter timeline is always a pleasure. And now that I'm thinking oh, yeah. about it, Eddie Mexico did win a Levo in the past few months. That was, that was definitely a worthy accomplishment. So definitely putting luigi's good name out there for all the other luigi mains oh 100 like he's he's the most consistent he's he's active he's doing well he's got wins he, i i love watching eddie play i love watching him stream he's a he seems like a sweetheart and a half so it's just he's been an inspiration for me since i was a, a young luigi and he still is do you do you say to yourself when you see stuff like Summit Champions League happening and all that kind of stuff that you're like, ah, I would really like to be able to have the opportunity to like at least play for a shot to make Division Two, but knowing that you have to be in the qualifier bracket where there are a lot of good players, you know, like nationally or I should say, sorry, world ranked players or at least in the past world ranked players. We haven't had that released recently, yeah. but. All what I'm trying to say is ranked players, players that are very, very good. And I don't know if you were ever regionally ranked or anything, but I'm I'm asking you that as well. But do you say to yourself, I, I really want to have an opportunity for that? Or are you more happy to be competing more in the locals, if that makes sense? I I wish I liked competing on a larger scale more online because it's such a good opportunity to play just a, a wild host of people. But something about net, like larger net play brackets, frustrate me immensely because the feeling of success is so diminished, and the feeling of failure is completely unchanged. So when I do well, I feel almost nothing, and when I do poorly, I feel terrible. And so it's this weird balance of like I would like for me to like entering these larger events, like I would enter an SCL qualifier if I really, really could stomach having a shot at these good players. But netplay has just so desensitized me to doing well in that type of event. I miss the rush of doing well at locals and regionals. So playing on a smaller scale online, I think, has been better for me mentally, even though it hasn't been better for me as as a competitor, if that makes any sense. But you also are doing what you feel you need to in order to continue to enjoy the game. Wouldn't want to have you burn out and just decide, you know what, I'm done as well. Unless you want to. All that to say, we don't want you to get there completely by yourself and and say, I don't want to play Melee anymore because I've been trying to enter in all these really, really big qualifying type events or just big, quote unquote, majors, online majors, all that fun stuff, yeah. or maybe not fun stuff, I should say. So 
it sounds like you found what works for you. And hey, with all of the potential return to IRL stuff in the coming years, oh boy. But we'll start <laughs> off with small stuff first. Uh, are you getting really excited for all that to come back? I am so, so excited for locals to come back. I New Jersey is a scene full of killers, and they've only gotten better online, and I miss so many of them just as people. So it's going to be so refreshing to come back to, like, Jersey Smash Fest, Jersey locals, and then, like, driving up to Penn State every once in a while, like, coming and crashing, a, like, a monthly or a regional or something. It'd be, it's it, There's so much that's going to happen sooner rather than later now. Like, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is visible. I don't know how far away it is, but I can see it. And that is so refreshing. I'm so, so, so excited for locals to come back. Awesome. I am hopefully going to be able to participate it to some small degree as a <laughs> as a working person, as a husband, yeah. as a father. But I'm hoping that in the 717 melee sense in particular, that that will happen at, in, at some point in the, in the rest of 2021 as it is uh, safe to do so. That is something that you and I have in common where... I'm following along with 717 Melee a little bit more in recent memory, and I see your name pop up a lot because you're competing in the 717 Melee weeklies that were held before Jesse, who runs it, decided to take a hiatus with running the weeklies online and going, you know what, that's it. I'm not doing onlines anymore, but we did appreciate all of those online weeklies that he was running anyway. But I, I thought to myself, until tonight... Hoborg's just probably somewhere in Pennsylvania, but here I am finding out you're from New Jersey. So how did you come to how did you come to decide seven one seven melee? Let's go. Let's go support Jesse. Um, I mean there's been a little cross pollination over the years. Like I, I as a, a central PA smasher, there's like it's weird because as Penn State, we're we are the central PA scene, I would say. Penn State is like the big one in the middle of the state. And then you have Philly all the way over one way and Pittsburgh all the way over the other. And I wouldn't say that we really deeply identify with either. I know my direct involvement with 717, I've never actually been to a 717 event physically. However, uh, I don't know if you've seen Dad's tag pop up a bit, but he is a, he is now a 717er. And so I sort of got introduced through him to like Jesse, J-Bob, like the whole crew and i've met j bob in person a few times at like a penn state event or two so it's been like this sort of conglomerate of central pa melee that it's like it's like us it's lock haven it's 717 and it's like this whole rich ecosystem of players that like you look at like there's some crazy hitters in central pa people don't know like people didn't know about fankers until recently and fankers is insane fankers is mind-blowingly insane and people people didn't know People don't know Professor Peen. People people didn't know Majersk until like sem- semi recently. Central PA is wild. There's so many good smashers there. I just wish I knew about this stuff in like 2006, man. Anyway, <laughs> I'm really excited to hopefully be able to play against, get crushed by that sort of thing. Some of these some of these players in the hopefully in the near future. And with with all of that it sort of gets us back up to the present, but how would you sort of, I don't know if I've asked this question before, how would you summarize your, your smash life until now? Like what would be a way to TLDR it to somebody else? God, that's a, it's a, it's a loaded one. Um, 
I I think my goals for this game have changed over time, and I think they kind of got thrown into limbo with with quarantine. Like I, for the longest time, my goal my goal at Penn State was like make PR, and then I made PR, and I was like get a certain to like get a certain height on PR. Like I I ended I ended my Penn State tenure as like a perennial top five player, which was very nice. Like I was just hanging out at that level. Perennial. Ooh, let's go. Yeah, we got SAT words. We're killing it. <laughs> Woo! Um, and it's like this this sort of thing where I don't know, I don't think I ever wanted to be the best at Penn State. I think I wanted to, I, I always wanted to say I I swung with the best and I always made him nervous. And it's always, it's like, it's it's this weird dynamic where I went from Penn State to New Jersey and New Jersey is insanely difficult. There's so many, like, I squeaked out a top 10 on the last PR before quarantine, and that's all, half because it was a shortened season. Like, I, I think realistically that season, if you take every player that's even semi-active at that point, I'm maybe top 30. And now I'm not even sure if I'm like, I'd probably ballpark top 40 in New Jersey. I don't even know. I can't even put a number to it. There's so many goddamn good players in New Jersey. And I'd like to think that my career has sort of been something where I've been gradually putting piece by piece together. But ultimately, it's about being able to swing with the best of them and being able to bring as many people together as I can. Because I think that is a beautiful, beautiful part of uh, a versus game, is the ability to foster a community based on the thriving of this this almost... I. <sighs> It, it this game possesses people and not in a, not necessarily in a bad way i have seen many people who are possessed by the spirit of melee and i think that is something beautiful that can be harnessed for good and i'd like to think that's what my career has generally tended towards that's awesome and i didn't even get to ask you this question but you talking about it a little bit just now made me think what sort of way have you helped out with potentially TOing? Like, have you dabbled in that at all? Yeah. So I, at Penn State, uh, when the streamer, uh, the the longtime streamer person graduated, I took over. So I helped stream Penn State for about a year, which was very nice. And it, it taught me a lot about how to do all that and the logistics of it. And I also ran a tournament series out of my apartment, inspired a lot by... There were a lot of apartment tournament series at Penn State back in the day. There was a there was a KSP. There was a, God, now I'm gonna forget all of them. There's a Towny Terrace. There was a whole bunch of like baby tournament series that people would just run out of their apartments and have a great time on like random weekends. And I would like to think I ran one of the best because we ran a monthly series out of my apartment called uh, the Louisville Slugfest. We ran six of them. And I TO'd all of them while copiously drunk, and they all ran on time. So I'm highly proud of that. <laughs> oh, let's go. I, you, you'll never see a, a 25-person bracket finish in two and a half hours, and at least half of them are drunk, unless you're at my apartment. I'll go on record. <laughs> that part of your brain is still functional enough to go, yeah, we need to keep this going. Okay, come on. We've got to get to your next setup. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, you got to you got to divvy people out. You got two people on the couch. You got two people in the living room. You got you got the kitchen set up. Oh, I got to get two guys with the kitchen set up. <laughs> you know, it's the pizza's <laughs> here. We got all this crap you got to deal oh, with. Oh god. You have no idea. There's <laughs> the whole tor- whole tournament stops for a full 15 minutes when the pizza gets there. Then <laughs> all the GameCube controllers get greasy. Yeah, I'm sure it's a whole thing. <laughs> I'm sure it's a whole thing. Good thing good thing the TVs were staying there. Otherwise, somebody would have dropped one at some point and be like, oh, oh, pizza, am I right? And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. hey, I need that for the next Louisville Sluggers. Come on. Yeah, it's it's a it was a blast of a time. God. Ugh. So that actually leads. I mentioned the TV bit very specifically because this is this yeah. is a big this is a big discussion of Twitter today. Oh, what yeah. about switching over to monitors? Once again, it has come up. I feel like I feel like we've been talking a lot about this in the past couple of months. And Hoborg, you and I were actually talking about the big old practical tasks survey that was put out to the people, one of which being, should in-person tournaments be run with monitors instead of CRTs? And more people voted for for monitors i believe it wasn't it wasn't like a big margin i think it was like maybe 55 40 and like there's like five percent that was like unsure or something like that but we were talking about this and then it comes up again and then it comes up again like it just pops up so here we are back at the crt versus monitors thing based on your experience of running the best smash at Penn State local <laughs> in an apartment that you could ever ask for and also just you as a competitor what has your experience with monitors and CRTs been like over the years so it's an interesting question I mean like it, it's a hot topic because there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects to it because it's this I think a few years ago people started talking about like oh we could phase in like high speed monitors and it's like well no it's not that simple because LCDs inherently have, I believe the the normal numbers that people throw at it are f- roughly four to six extra milliseconds on a monitor, which is give or take a third of a frame, because a, th- a frame is about 16.6 milliseconds. So I would, I'm just going to keep saying a third of a frame. But more or less, monitors have this inherent delay, and there's ways to mitigate that. That's not always the hugest problem. You... It's this weird dynamic where for a couple of years, people were just like, oh, if you use a certain adapter, you can just plug it right into a fast monitor and it'll be roughly the same. And it's like technically true. I've played on, I played on CRTs a lot, obviously, because it's just been the ubiquitous thing for so many years. I've tried a monitor setup uh, that my friend Bean had a hand on, uh, formerly Bean, Beckvin, uh, the, the, the illustrious, he has a a very nice monitor, which is, like, the recommended one and the adapter. And that felt fine-ish. Like, I, I, I couldn't have any... Uh, that, was, that was, of course, also at a, a tournament where I was drinking, so I could not tell you exactly how perfect <laughs> it was. But it felt close. It felt real close. Um, And it was interesting because a lot of people talk about... There's this one Gecko code for console melee that was developed by Talcon a long time ago. It was a very, very smart melee person on the technical side. And it is... The big debate with it is it is technically not empirically tested. It On paper, it should do what it does, but it is not like... No one's taken like a high-speed camera and side-by-side compared with this code. But the code is supposed to, in theory, 
shave off a half frame of lag on console melee, which is enough to bring it back to reasonably parity with CRT if it actually works. It hasn't been like scientifically empirically tested, but I have played on a local with these code corrections. The the New Jersey TO master Big Tasty got his hands on the Hacks Money build, which they use for Hacks' nightclub on low lag monitors. And we use that on low lag monitors at an esports arena about 40 minutes from me. And after the first local where I was thoroughly skeeved out by widescreen melee, because that skeeves me out, uh, I got over it. And the monitors felt more or less fine. And that's good because you want something like, you want a blind taste test of like, how does this monitor feel? And it, it, I think you can get pretty damn close with a monitor. I think the catch beyond that is how standard can you make it? Like, do we all have to buy the same BenQ or Zowie $200 monitor that always works and you use the exact same code so we all have the exact same level of latency? You want everyone to be close as possible to exact parity of lag. And that's, I think that is the hard question because you have to find this balance between feasibility and cost and function and there's this like this intersection that we need to find as a community because i've been to monitor locals i've been to a, a boatload of crt locals i've played on people's netplay setups where they have a pretty good monitor there's like a slight variation to a lot of them but you can get them pretty damn close i think the most important part is parity between the setups because i think netplay you just can't guarantee that everyone in a tournament is going to have the same class of setup. People inherently will have better location for internet, better internet, better monitor, better, like, th their graphic settings are set differently. They have full screen on wrong. They just, like, what? There's the audio latency on emulation is inherently worse unless you use a special thing, and then it's only slightly worse. There's so many factors that come into play for a setup on Netplay for a monitor, for whatever. The idea is to get it all as close as possible. And I think that is extremely hard to do. And I come as... I try not to be a super biased source because throughout the entire Netplay era, I have been fortunate enough to have a very high refresh CRT that I've been playing on, which kind of warps my perspective on how good Netplay can be because I think this is technically one of the best possible monitors for that sort of thing, minus like... I like like I don't even some 240 hertz refresh hertz whatever. There's diminishing returns at some point, but I think my setup is pretty close to good. I I don't feel any significant change, but you can't guarantee that for everybody. And the idea with monitors is you can't guarantee that for everybody either. And you couldn't do that with CRTs, but at least it was easier to tell when a CRT sucked. People don't know anything about monitor melee yet. Like some people know some stuff, but the general populace doesn't know anything. And it's so hard to get it all feature pair. Like, you want delay parity for everybody, and that's so hard. So that was a lot of word vomit, but I think I got it all out. Yeah, yeah, you did a great job with that rant. Perfect Poborg <laughs> rant. No, it was, it's hilarious because <laughs> there were people saying, you know, a lot of people who are participating in the CRT monitor discussion today probably have never played on a CRT in their life. <laughs> that is a real thing to consider. Is crazy. Like I, tweets like that scare me. I saw this tweet recently where it was like, people. There are people who who have never played on unfrozen Pokemon. There are people who have. There's going to be chic mains who come from netplay who don't know how to start a chic on console. 
It's it's crazy to me that we're in an era <laughs> where that's possible. There's there's gonna be people who started learning the game on a box controller. That's crazy to me. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Like it's such a generational difference. Like, oh, you're gonna start playing. You're gonna just start playing this game that's been out for twenty years. Here, use a rectangle controller that's been the hot topic of debate for four years and was invented specifically for this game. It's like insane to think about. That there are people that started the game like in this whole crazy system. But that's also the beauty of Melee because if you keep bringing in new players, you eventually get the top players that challenge the old players that are on their way out and it happens after every level and so on and so on. Would you say that you've come across names of players that do better than O and 2 that you've never seen before the online era? Oh, 100%. I mean, some of that's probably the nature of like, I've seen like, I'm just seeing so many players because it's all people online. But there are so many names that I've seen. Even just a microcosm of it. Penn State uh, was running SAPs uh, up until recently because the semester just finished. But we were running these online SAPs. And this player showed up who went by the tag Clips. And they were a Yoshi player. And they were like, hey, this is my first tournament. And we're like, awesome. And I watched them enter like... Over the course of three and four months, I watched them improve drastically. Like, they went from, like, they're, I believe they were a Yoshi player, and they bounced between Yoshi and Falco. And I watched them go from, like, generally 0-2, because it's, like, their first few tournaments. All of a sudden, they were, like, taking games, taking sets from people. I was like, wow. It is crazy to me to see how good people could get online. Like, they didn't enter any of the, They didn't even know it was a college local until, like, two months in. They were like, this is a college thing? We're like, yeah. They're like, I had no idea. So it was just so cool to see this development of a player who hadn't really entered anything before. And in like three, four months, just the sheer improvement from how easy it is to play Melee now and seeing someone like that develop into like a totally like threatening player for a lot of people. It was so cool to see. Super cool to see. And I really like hearing stories like that, by the way. So so thank you for sharing. Hopefully to see... Well, maybe yet another Falco main, but maybe also Yoshi, because my interest peaked. I was like, oh, Yoshi. Oh, Falco. And I love Falco. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of Falco players out there. There's a lot of... Oh, I've been on Unranked. I know. (laughs) Yeah, you would know better than me. (laughs) But... So, to put a a ribbon on the CRT versus monitors question, my my own perspective on it is that it's probably going to end up, for at least for a long time just be like any other little mini debate that happens across the melee cosmos thinking about stuff like wobbling and thinking about different sort of slight variation to rule sets it just depends on what you're going to are you going to a major are you going to a regional are you going to a local is that local a monthly a bi-weekly a weekly because for the really really small stuff monitors they be expensive crts you can usually find on the side of the road especially okay People talk about this being hard to do in certain areas. Not hard to do in Pennsylvania. People be old in Pennsylvania, and people be leaving CRTs even nowadays on the middle, on the side of the road. I said to a coworker of mine like a year or two ago, I said, "I don't have a CRT. If you see one on the road, because he he like was on the road a lot, he would drive a lot for his other job. I'd go be like, just just pick it up and give it to me. He got me two within like a month. <laughs> so there yeah, you go." It may be hard in other places, but it's not hard in PA. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, there's there's a healthy amount of CRTs who need a home all over, and it's just a matter of finding the right ones. Right, you just have to do a little bit of extra searching, but you can dig that up for a little bit less than buying a $200 monitor times 10 or times 20, times however many you would want to have at a venue, which you also have to rent and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I really respect, we're talking about J-Bob a little bit, a.k.a. Jesse, who was tweeting a little bit about this discourse a few weeks ago or about a month ago now around the time of the Practical Tasks article and saying this would be a very big burden for locals to have to switch. But I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean have to? If people don't go because they turn their nose up at a CRT, like, what? <laughs> are you kidding me? First of all, it's it's going to be the same as a monitor or better, right? Like, shouldn't that be the mindset if you show up to a place to play Melee and you're used to playing on a monitor and you go, ugh, CRTs. No, it should be, this will be just as good as my monitor or even better, right? That should yeah, be the mindset. Yeah. In theory, I mean, God only knows how people are going to react to stuff like that over time, but I, I, you, like, I think there's something magical about, like, Regardless of the logistics, regardless of the the pace, the speed, there's something very intriguing about how it, like CRTs are such an ingrained part of the history of this game. Like, and, and there's something special about it. I can't put my finger on exactly what, but it's so cool. Regardless of how complicated it is, that it's like, oh, this this game, you need this this giant chunky CRT, and there's like this warmth to it. There's this like special feeling of the gameplay through it. It's, it's not that the, the monitor doesn't like the magic isn't coming through the monitor too. I mean, the game is just so good, but there's this sort of nostalgia to it. That's like baked into the CRT that you can just feel it's, it's such a warm, inviting feeling. And I don't know. That's something that I, I don't know if monitors will ever be able to hundred percent replicate. I don't think they'll be able to ever 100% accomplish that. I know exactly what you're talking about by the nostalgic effect. It truly is a real nostalgic thing. There's just so much that a CRT does visually and through sound, like just the high pitch sound. Like it just makes you think, oh, I'm six years old now for some reason. Like it really just does <laughs> stuff like that. And it's hard it to it's hard back. to separate it. Yeah, it's, it's a powerful, nostalgia is a very powerful feeling and it's, there's something there's something magic about it. It's it's hard to quantify, but it's it's just a beautiful thing. So another not now this was a thing a, a few days ago or last week by now I guess, but wanted to talk to you a little bit about your thoughts about this, and you, maybe you don't have any, but I was seeing that Fizzy was getting started on ranked because the most recent Slippy build came out where teams or I should, say, I should say doubles, was officially part of, of Slippy through po Project Slippy, which is really cool. It took a little while because Fizzy wasn't planning on doing doubles builds or anything like that, but then somebody comes out with a beta and he goes, oh, I guess I'm doing doubles now. <laughs> and that's just yeah. part of the fun of all of this environment where people are like, yeah, Project Slippy, okay, but also Diet Melee, but also Team Akania, but also this, that, and the third. Also exciting but probably wears a little bit on Fizzy's mind. Anyway, the doubles build comes out, the newest Project Slippy patch comes out, you you could say, and he says, now I'm getting started on Ranked, and everybody goes, ooh, but not two days later, Hoborg. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody tweets out, yeah, just got this 
got this new beta build of faster melee and everybody goes what what slippy did what and pissy goes oh yeah this is why this is why y'all haven't had ranked come out yet and i'm like no <laughs> what are I, your thoughts or do you have any thoughts about this or i do actually I, I read up a bit on the technical details of how that build works and i don't expect it to be available anytime soon and i don't expect it to be part of the main build anytime soon i i wish fizzy the best mentally and i imagine splitting yourself between everything is hell on earth so there's this sort of there's an important degree going on there of like he needs to prioritize it. Clearly, he's done that. Like they they got doubles in there, but this new build it's very very interesting because in theory I believe the, it shaves off roughly ballpark half a frame to slightly better than that. By do you know the whole de- do you know the details with the uh, the controller overclock where basically people overclock their adapters to a thousand hertz now instead of one hundred twenty five. Right, and obviously that doesn't necessarily mean that frames somehow happen faster. It just means that it's more precise and it catches on the frame it's supposed to. Yes, and so basically it takes advantage of the fact that it's polling so much more often, and it sends the inputs that are being pulled extra before the game actually reads them. So the way, like when rollback kicks in, to sort of predict inputs and then it has to roll back to do that when it realizes that the other person's inputs aren't what it predicted exactly. It, it's sort of doing that in advance where it takes the extra pulled inputs and sends them before it sends them to Dolphin or at least faster than it usually does. So it's able to shave off about half a frame of leniency, maybe a little bit more, but it's just enough in my head to smooth out the connections that would generally be just a pinch over what I would want on a two-frame delay into just the sweet spot. Because the demo, I believe, was Toph and Amsa playing with two-frame delay, which is just the default delay, like, butter-smooth Japan to California, which is crazy to me. And that's exciting because I would genuinely like to try playing European players, and I think that's feasible from the East Coast if you have that kind of technology. So it's a really cool thing, but I also, for Fizzy's sanity's sake and the community's sanity's sake, I would just work on ranked for now. Let 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 uh, the overclock guy deal with the fancy build, and if it becomes easy to implement, do that later. You know. Yeah, that that was sort of my thought process, and also, a lot of people just need to say thank you to Fizzy more often and be thankful for what they have. That also is a big deal. Like, you just get lost in the sauce a little bit easily sometimes where you're like, when's the new thing? When's this? A... And it's like going like, dude, you need to back up a little bit right now and say to yourself, I'm complaining about what is technically being offered for free. Wink, wink, Patreon. And you are saying what now again about wanting more and better and bigger and faster? Come on. I mean, <laughs> look, I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anyone's desire for a peak awesome perfect melee and playing coast to coast also becomes more viable in my mind that's been a a topic of discussion before especially with scl watching the coast to coast matches and everybody kind of going who's who's potentially going to be, be complaining about the slight levels of lag in this match after the games are over (laughs) but it is it is cool that little things like this happen every once in a while but then i think oh poor fizzy because then he has to come out with like 
10 or 20 tweets basically all saying, look, I'm not the only person who's trying to make Melee better. I respect that. That's all fine and well. But that also kind of throws a dig into my quote unquote schedule of what I'm trying to do. And I just be able to, I would like to be able to work in a little bit more peace and quiet sometimes. Maybe. Okay. Shake. No. Okay. Fine. Whatever. (laughs) So thank you, Fizzy. Continuing to work on melee stuff and hopefully ranked will become a thing at some point in the future. If it's being worked on now, continuously still, which I, I did see Fizzy's tweet from yesterday saying, I'll be working on ranked stuff tonight. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so it's still going to happen. But I, I just, so much respect to Fizzy and the rest of the of the slippy, uh, the, the contributors, I, I, I could say. I mean, I guess it's not a team in the sense that they're all being, they're all on staff or whatever. It's just Fizzy who's like, on staff, if you will, but all the contributors who are actually trying to contribute in, in helpful, good timing ways, really appreciate it. These new wild builds, also cool, but yes, if we as the community in general could just be a little bit more understanding of the time and effort and programming that it takes to do all this, I would also appreciate seeing a little bit more understanding and patience. Oh, yeah, we can all use some of that. I mean, Fizzy's job, like, what Fizzy does is incredible, and more people. I, I, that Fizzy needs twice as many patrons as he has. I don't know how many he has, but he needs twice as many. That's how much I know. <laughs> Fizzy, <laughs> Fizzy is doing amazing work. It's the the whole Fizzy and the entire contributing team, the dev team, all of them, all doing just amazing, amazing things for this game and this community, like near thanklessly. And I'll just keep saying thank you to the to the day that I'm that I'm no longer able to well live anyway so one last topic of discussion if you will i just want to also do a vibe check because we've been at this for about an hour you doing good yeah yeah, i'm good okay summit excuse me summit champions league two week four to close out the season two of scl ended with sort of a similar well i say sort of zane won again (laughs) (laughs) well so congrats to zane outside of that Congrats to Zane. GG's to everybody. But what were your what were your thoughts of the action from the tournament yesterday? I mean, it was just so many good sets back to back to back. Watching like I haven't seen an inform S fat in so long. I haven't seen an inform plup in so long. I haven't seen like watching like Moki Mango, Zane, uh S2J, Wizzy, just everybody just looked so good. There was so much good melee. I BDW. And I mean, like, it ended in Mango Zane Grands again, which happens a lot, which is a good thing. I love watching those two play. But it was just, it's so exciting to see a format like SCL grow and change over time, like, between iterations. And it, like, filters into a summit now. And just seeing, like, this this ongoing bracket format where I can get excited for, a spe- like, a specific melee thing every weekend, that's so cool. Just seeing events like that develop and put out such good melee every single time somehow is just so engaging to watch. And it's so... Watching this game's meta just spiral upward, it's, it's staggering to think of where this game will be in six months. Like, I can't even picture it. It's so cool. Especially since uh, the IRL events are starting, are starting, starting, oh my word, (laughs) are starting to sneak back in ever so slightly and really just trickles, honestly, trickles compared to what it 
will be in the future as things continue to get safer, easier, more vaccines, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to revisit my my bracket. <laughs> I I did a prediction with Ooh. with Brentos and Wasabi last Thursday about how the bracket was going to play out. And originally what I had was Plup going to Grands on winner's side, but then losing to Zane through loser. So Zane would reset the bracket and then win the second grand final set. That's not exactly what happened. But I did predict that Plop would beat Mango, and I was right. So I feel like I can take a victory lap for that. But I, despite the fact that I root for SFAT a lot, I can't help it. I just love SFAT for some reason. It might have to do with the fact that I name drop, name drop, interview. You get it. Not SFAT <laughs> himself, but I interviewed PPU. So I feel like I just root for SFAT a lot more after that. And seeing him play so well yesterday was awesome. In third place, that's so cool. A spot at Smash Summit 11. Oh boy. Smash Summit 11. I'll get it right at some point. Very, very cool. It was really, really cool to see that. And actually, I should go over the list of players who were able to make it to Smash Summit 11 because it poses an interesting question moving forward of who's going to get the remaining open spots for Summit 11. But Moki, Zane, Plup, Sfat, IBDW, and Mango were the players who qualified for Summit 11. That does not leave a lot of room left. There are six vote-in spots and one qualifying play-to-earn spot for for Rollback Rumble, where they're having a tournament called The Big One. it's That's literally the name of the tournament, The Big One, by Rollback Rumble, Homemade Waffles, and his TO team. And that's the only play to win and earn spot. Otherwise, you have to campaign. So there's a lot of good players out there who are not going to get that spot, who are then going to have to campaign to get in with vote-in stuff. Like, what is your thought on that process? Who do you think is going to get that last spot? Or... What do you think about that scenario in general where there's not a lot of invites being passed around? You sort of have to earn it. It's I think it's a really cool dynamic and it's crazy because I have no idea who's going to get that last spot qualifying wise. Like that's a last chance qualifier right before the event. And the votins, I there's only so many people that are gonna get voted in. Like you got you already have like the eight people who are guaranteed, because you got Leffen and Omsa with the invites, and then you got the six people from SCL. Six people get voted in. Like I, I have no doubt in my mind of a few people that'll get voted in. Like, I don't doubt that Hbox will get voted in. I have no questions in my mind. And then like I don't know, a handful of other people. Like I I I'd have to think about who else was in the cards besides Hbox, but there's a handful of people that are totally like none will probably get voted in no sweat stuff like that and then you have this sort of like feverish like people are going to be clawing for that rotor rumble qualifier and it's like i i think it's going to create this really interesting dynamic especially going into what will be an irl event it's going to be so cool to see how that all develops out i think i think the summit format as a whole is really cool and it's got a lot of room for growth yeah, I really like how it is now. And to your point, it's potentially IRL, hopefully IRL. It's all but confirmed to be IRL. So just think <laughs> about how all these people, to some degree or other, have been like, you know, online's been great. Thank you, Fizzy, for rollback netcode and everything else. But itching, dreaming, and wishing every day... <laughs> 
on their controller and and GameCube console. Please let me play this on console with other people again. And now it's finally here. You can almost taste it. You can almost grab it with your hands. And you really got to go for these spots as a top player so that you can validate all the work you've been putting in online where you can finally do it in offline sense and bring a little bit of that hype again because people talk about how much they miss the in-person stuff. Do you want it? Are you going to be able to get that qualifying stuff at Rollback Rumble as someone like S2J or, or um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought a little bit, but what, Hungrybox <laughs> and and other players like that who who missed the qualifying spots from SCL, what about all the rest of it, all the rest of the other players who are not currently in Summit 11? And there's a lot of good players, a lot of good players who are not in right now who are going to have to either campaign or place first at a very competitive event to try to get to summit 11 it's going to be really interesting i think so too i think i think there's going to be a lot of a lot of vitriol going in and out of it but i think that's a natural consequence of competition and i think it's going to be really exciting and i just think that it's so cool that it's not just like the top six players that you would picture I think that Moki and Sfat sometimes get counted out a little bit just based off of results or whatever, but Moki has been placing really well this year, and so has Sfat in their tournaments that they've attended, the online tournaments that they've attended, and I think it's really cool to see that pay off. I saw a Moki tweet either today or yesterday that was like, if I don't get my second vaccination shot in time, my summit spot goes to Prince Abu, no questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know what? Haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> no, down. That's, that's that's a that's actually pretty deep on the iceberg thing we were talking about the iceberg thing a little bit earlier prince abu <laughs> always goes to summit to be a oh, practice yeah. puff for everybody oh, else yeah. easy <laughs> but that's that's about all i got so i want to give you an opportunity to both promote yourself you know roll out the red carpet to tell the people where they can find you and also to offer your own closing thoughts on anything we talked about so far any new things all that kind of stuff uh i mean i guess you can find me on uh twitter at hoborg and uh on twitch at hoborg but with a zero for the second o so that's not confusing at all uh <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I just love this game and I love the the people I've met through it. I mean, it's changed my life. I, I can't can't understate that. Like, I don't know where I'd be today. It'd be very different. And uh, shout outs to everyone that's been a part of this community for me. I don't know. Like, uh, my TO, shout outs to all my TOs, Penn State, New Jersey, all my streamers, all my, all my rivals, all my foes, all my friends. You know who you are. Exactly. You know who you are. <laughs> Don't forget to also check out Hobark.fun. You have your own website, yeah, dude. Yeah, I do. It's it's basically a business car right now, but I'm working on it. <laughs> and and so I so should I put it in the links of the podcast? Yeah, go to, go nuts. Go nuts. It links to like my Twitter, my Twitch, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. So it's kind of a one and all. But I'll I'll link the Twitch and the Twitter as well. But Hobark.fun yeah, yeah. is just it's just too much not to put in. Come on. That's such a good domain name. I'm happy with that it's one. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Hoborg, thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of the Smash Mountain. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me once again. A pleasure. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right. Transition. Made it. Congratulations for getting through the interview. Congratulations for still listening. Hey, I appreciate you for still listening to this here podcast. You're checking to see how much more we have to go. Oh, you have to go. Oh, well, that's okay. For the rest of you. 
let's talk about some stuff that happened that I wanted to cover or at least acknowledge that it happened and current event type stuff, things that I bookmarked on Twitter. You get it. We should come up with a segment name for what to do when it's time to cover tweets that I bookmarked. So we call it Twitter Bookmarks. Has that been taken by probably like 1,500 other podcasts? Probably. So we have to come up with something that's a little bit more unique for Melee. Unique for this bottom of the Smash Mountain podcast. But I need you, the listeners, to send me suggestions because I'm not going to bother to think of one. So that's also a way for me to see if anybody's actually paying any attention. Because if you reach out to me through my Twitter at BSMPod or my personal Twitter at Cypher003, then I know you'll be listening. See? You see how that works? A lot of other podcasts do this. A lot of YouTube people do this. They ask for it more obviously, such as dropping likes and comments and subscriptions. I'm trying to say, I have a question for you. Now get back to me about it. But really, it's the same thing. It's a lot of shelling all around. All right, well, now that we've talked about that, let's talk about how Leffen pretty much stomped his way through the entire Poiland Coliseum. Invitational, I believe it was. Sort of like a version of Summit, except for Europe, if you will. But the point is is that Leffen is still the best European player. Sort of stomped all over Frenzy. And that was winner's finals. And then stomped all over Professor Pro and Grand Finals. Just really quick matches, seemingly. So congratulations to Leffen and GG's to him and everybody else who competed in Poiland Coliseum. By the way, is it pronounced Poiland? Because I want to say that's how it is, but if I'm being honest with you, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody pronounce it out loud. And you know what that means. It's time for me to admit I don't actually watch a lot of European stuff. You don't watch any European stuff is what you would say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. I didn't watch enough. I just watched Twitter highlights, okay? I feel so bad. I do technically, according to my analytic page anyway, have listeners from Europe. I want to tell you that I really like your Melee stuff, and I pay attention sometimes, and the volume's not always on, okay? Sometimes I'm only in for about 30 seconds or 60 seconds, and then I'm out because I got other things I got to do, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Your lack of a response is speaking volumes right now, but that being said, I get it. So, GG's. Let's keep it moving. What else do we have here? I was just told... Wait a second. Oh, I see. I was not in my bookmarks page. Well, what's the point of having a podcast segment called Twitter Bookmarks? Well, that's a working title. You, the listeners, still have to get back to me about that. What's the point of having a working concept of a segment when I'm failing to actually be in my bookmarks Let's see here. There's some things that I have to watch, so that's not necessarily what I'm going to talk about when it comes to the end of this here, here the this here Twitter segment. I really need to come up with a name, but I don't want to. I want other people to do that. Let's talk about a guest that was on the Wannabes podcast, not super, super recently, but sometime in the past couple of months, a gentleman named Brian Ferrodi came on to the Wannabes podcast with JD. Uh, they are actually related, cousins, I believe. 
And I dropped a follow for Brian, and Brian dropped some real key interesting things about investing in money in general. And this caught my attention because, as some of you may know, I'm not a big school person, mostly because I hated school. If you want to do school, that's up to you. But for me personally, for my own situation and my own life, and all that to say, my opinions do not reflect that of the general populace. I'm just not a big school guy. All right? Did we settle that? This is what Brian had to say in a big old tweet thread, and I will try to summarize it for you. So these are not his exact words. Go to at Brian, F-E-R-O-L-D-I, Brian Ferrodi, and drop a follow yourself for these sort of nuggets. 10 life skills I wish I was taught in school. Already, I am intrigued. (laughs) One, budgeting. Two, entrepreneurship. Three, habits. Four, investing. Five, network and relationship building. Six, negotiating. Seven, marketing. Eight, psychology and decision making. Nine, sales and influence. Ten, succinct writing. And this is, of course, interesting to me, all of these points. But let's just talk about succinct writing. This is something that I feel is valuable as well. I would have been able to tell you this without Brian telling me first. That being said, I'll just read Brian's tweet. (laughs) Rather than a five-page paper being the minimum, I wish I took a class where 250 words was the maximum and we learned various techniques to make your point quickly. And if you enjoyed this thread, you may enjoy my other threads. Here's a list of all the other threads I've written. And there is a mega thread. (laughs) To talk about more things that Brian is interested in, including spreading the financial wellness that you can have access to if you just find the right resources. And Brian is the top of the funnel of all things finance. So go drop a follow. Succinct writing. This is something that I struggle with, obviously. I think that what I struggle with it at the most is actually succinct talking. The succinct writing I have mastered in more recent years of my life, but even up to a certain point, when I was maybe perhaps 23 or so, that was two going on three years now. Even a couple of years ago, I was a big fill in all the information possible via typing. I would just send you paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. But I have reduced that significantly, significantly more recently in my life. And I thought, all right, cool. But I still have a lot of work to do with succinct talking. So things to learn, things to get better at. But also, I'm doing long-form content, so really, I should be trying to stretch this out as much as I can, reasonably speaking. (laughs) Going to try to provide a very brief, hopefully understandable version of what Arts Build attempts to do. Do not expect a miracle. On average, this method will act very similar to about 16.6 MS ping reduction. It won't make unplayable connections playable. Thread. This is a tweet from Fizzy. I said it with Hoborg, and I will say it again. When Fizzy has to deal with this stuff of things unexpectedly happening, that is one of the tweets that you will see from Fizzy trying to explain this is why things are cool, but this is also why things are not cool simultaneously. This is another tweet from Fizzy. There go my beautiful plans of being able to work on ranked in peace for a decent while. Commence sadness and repeat doubles derailing. 
And then he retweeted that and said, for what it's worth, I'm being somewhat sarcastic here. I hope to continue with my plans. I say it mostly to highlight the pressure involved with my position. People wonder why Ranked is taking so long when initial rollback took seven months. It's because I have so much more responsibility now. These are all valid things, okay? And I said it with Hoborg. I'll say it as many times as I need to say. We need to say thank you to Fizzy and be thankful for what we have. That's all. That's that's really all it needs to be. The next time you feel like being a little critical and a little impatient, just say, no, wait a minute. I am still playing on Slippy and rollback that code. That's already miraculous. Some of you individuals may have forgotten that you couldn't even choose the stage at first. You had to roll the dice. Remember random stage select? That was a thing. We played tournaments with random stage select. <laughs> oh, that was that was a fun weekend of of of, of melee to watch. <laughs> I think that just about summarizes the Twitter segment that really fell apart at, at a lot of junctions, but I think I just need to figure out how to save little bits and pieces of things while also keeping it separate from stuff I saved for watching later. Tweets I saved for reading later. That's right. Your boy is so busy trying to keep up with everything that I actually save tweets sometimes for reading later. (laughs) I am such a degenerate. Okay. I'm having a lot of fun, so I hope you are as well. But the fun is over for now. It's time to move on from this chapter, from this specific Bottom of the Smash Mountain podcast episode. We have more coming in your direction in the near future, so please stick around, drop the the the, the things that you need to drop in order to add me to the list. Can you do that? Maybe not. Maybe you won't. This might be the last time you ever listen to me, but for what it's worth, I'm saluting right now. <clears throat> Thank you so much for listening to this particular episode. And if you come back for more, that's very cool of you to do. Hope to talk to you again sometime soon, and we'll catch you later.